What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. And my name's Kaysen. We have a lot that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to dive deeper into the Dragon Quest, your story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Netflix movie. Kaysen made a video about that. If you've not I seen did. it, go to the channel, watch it. I'll put a link in the description if I remember. Hopefully I will. <laughs> um, uh, but we're going to go deeper into that, our thoughts on that. We're going to talk about Final Fantasy of the Spirits Within. We told you last time we were going to watch that as a homework assignment and get back to you on the whole spirit of Final Fantasy discussion. We're going to get a little bit deeper into that because there were some really good comments and uh, just things that people mentioned that in that I think would be good to bring up as either rebuttals sure. or just additional information to kind of complete that discussion. So we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, a, a demo for the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh really, there was a demo, huh? Did you hear? Yeah, no, I've heard basically everywhere and I had to shut off Twitter for like a week because I want to play the game, you know, yeah. but I couldn't avoid it, so. Right, so uh, we're going to have a podcast next time with uh, a couple of other YouTubers. I still haven't gotten in contact with the second one yet to verify, but for sure we will have Night Sky Prince on Mm. To, dis to discuss the Final Fantasy VII Remake right before the game releases. Yeah. So it comes out on April 10th. Assuming it doesn't get delayed again. Yeah. It comes out on April 10th. <laughs> we'll probably be uploading that podcast first week of April or right before yeah. the game comes out, essentially. Mm. Um, and I will be giving complete, like total, like in-depth discussion on my thoughts on this demo there. But there have been so many people asking mm. from my thoughts on the demo, are you going to stream it? Are you going to, like, just wanting to know that I, I had to download it and play it just so that I could say something now. <laughs> um, but this will be a shorter discussion just to, 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 to whet the appetite a bit. But it'll, it'll be like a demo. <laughs> Discussion. A demo of the discussion. Yeah, so it's like a demo, because we have to cut it short. Like, if it just seems like it just ends, well, that, that's what the demo did, so, you know, it's That is exactly correct. We're going to do a demo yes. of the Final Fantasy VII Remake discussion yes. today. And then the real discussion comes later. The full-length discussion will come <laughs> next time with Night Sky Prince. The, the extended edition. Um, okay, so let's get started. Uh, yeah. I, I promised everyone I would get into Patreon questions first. Uh, since we didn't have time to get into that last mm, time. Yeah. So let's do that now. Um, one of them is from Dude McGuy, and that's going to lead us into our fuller discussion on Dragon Quest Your Story and Final Fantasy Spirits Within, the whole discussion about adapting something, yeah. mainly games into movies, um, which is what our DQ discussion is going to be on. So um, let's just get into a couple of these. These will be more like... Treat these more like just Q and A's, short answers. Sure, sure. Uh, not like what, full like length. A minute long, or I got yeah. you. Okay, so um, Riley Smith asks, "Hey guys, glad you're back. What next Final Fantasy game, if any, should be remade in the vein of Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake? Personally, I think of a uh, full-on remake of Final Fantasy II would be a surefire win because that is probably the worst handled and least loved. Even if it sucked or changed everything, I doubt." almost anyone would care. What do you think? Which one well, should be? Well, the, the whole doubt anyone would care, you're absolutely right. That's why they won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one, like, sure, it wasn't handled well. It didn't, you know, and no one will play it. Like, how would the executives approve of a Final Fantasy II yeah. remake when it, you know, it's like the worst one? So. Which one do you think? Don't see that. Should. I, so should is, a, is not a great word, I think. <laughs> I have Which to say. Which one do you want? <laughs> 
I I wouldn't mind it. I mean, you may as well just keep going the seven, eight, nine. Although, so what I would like, okay, when you say in the vein of this remake, though, yeah, like a like full but on like I saw, expanded. Okay, I saw a, like a two minute little. What what do you call it? The intro to Final Fantasy VI done in the Project Octopath Traveler style. Have you seen that video on YouTube? Yes. Out somewhere? Mm-hmm. I th- not so much the vein of Final Fantasy VII remake, but yeah. a Final Fantasy VI remake in the Octopath Traveler type of art style. I'm okay with that. That mm. sounds pretty great to me. Um, in the vein of this Final Fantasy VII remake, um, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know because. I don't you, know. You don't know if like you'd a like fully realistic. It being done I don't think way. it should be done. Period. So, I be. am kind of with you on that. We'll get mm. into that a little bit more. Don't freak out yet. Our thoughts will be more <laughs> nuanced. Than I wouldn't mind it, it if they made all. it. I just, you know, it's. I, I'd what's, rather a, an Octopath Traveler remake. You what's know? tricky about it is Final Fantasy VII is very in depth. It has tons of dialogue and character development mm. and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's a tougher thing to do justice to in a giant full-fledged remake. Whereas mm-hmm. if you were to go back to, say, the NES ones that don't have a lot of that, sure. I think you have more room yeah, to experiment and change sure, things sure. because there's not a lot to compare it yeah, to, yeah. right? So I think that that would be generally more accepted. I would actually mm. go with Final Fantasy One. One. I sure. think the I mean, original there, yeah. Final Fantasy, there's tons of room to expand or explore further, Mm. even in storytelling, that I think would be easier to accept for longtime fans because Mm. it's not a super detailed, in-depth story to begin with. So there's not a lot to compare it to. Whatever they want. Right. And (laughs) it wouldn't feel like a betrayal of something else. You know what I mean? So that's what I would pick. Okay. Thank you, Riley, for that question. Um, Jonah, uh, Jonah the man, when is it okay to do fantasy? I ask this because the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels, uh, Dead Man's Chest and At World's End specifically, drew mixed reactions from audiences not only due to their overly complicated plots and character arcs, but also due to the shift from low fantasy, as per the first film, The Curse of the Black Pearl, to high fantasy. I personally didn't mind that shift that much, but I would go, uh, I'd even go so far as to argue that it made the movies more fun and provided a lot of potential for the writers to work with. This is funny because I was j- I just listened to Pirates of the Caribbean in Spanish. Oh, nice! Today, today, for like the hundredth time or whatever. And um, it's interesting because when you listen to a movie in a different language, it's almost like watching it again. Mm-hmm. Like you you start picking up on things you didn't notice before. And that was this is funny that question came because that was one of the things that I started thinking of. I was like, how did how did we go from like Pirates of the Caribbean to like full on Kraken, like people live and breathe underwater and like all this crazy stuff happens. And the first Pirates of the Caribbean, it had had the skeletons, right? Like they yeah. could move and what else was fantastic about it other than that? It was there was a curse that curse? is very unrealistic. Ghosts and it was mostly just that, right? Yeah. It wasn't anything crazy. Those and are those are more like um just uh what do you call it? Uh Almost like folklore, folktale. Sure, yeah, something like that. Legends, more than it being... Exactly. These are legends from our own world versus sure. it being like a high fantasy type of... Like myth- other... Mythological mythol- Yeah, otherworldly. And I was thinking about that too. I was like, how come these other movies have the same cast, same production team, same like everything's the same, and then the movies just didn't do as well, but they kept making them. So that tells you they made money. They just didn't do as well. Mm. But I, I don't know... I don't know that you should 
break the rules of your world in order, I don't know. I don't think Pirates of the Caribbean should have gone that way. Now, he's arguing that it made the movies more fun, and fair enough, but um, I almost would rather a different franchise be started. You know, you gotta yeah. make the money with Jack Sparrow and all that, but it would be better if they just had a new franchise that they were able to build that way instead of pulling this big U-turn on everyone mm-hmm. and being like, oh, this is how the world, you didn't, oh, you didn't know that? Oh, yeah, there's, th- this is how the world is. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, and no one dies. People come back to life. Yeah. All that crap. Once, the, once you start bringing everyone back from the dead and stuff, like Pirates of the Caribbean starts doing, it's, I just, it's Final one of my Fantasy. issues with things like Final Kingdom Fantasy Hearts IV. or, yeah, Final Fantasy IV <laughs> or um, anything, almost anything, because I don't mind it in Lord of the Rings, but there's different explanations for that with Game yeah. right? But... George Martin, George R. R. Martin, the author of Game of Thrones, he, likes he said Gandalf should have stayed dead. Ooh, That's his opinion. Wow, George R. R. Martin. <laughs> he likes to kill people and that, keep them dead. Although, it, there have, anyway, some people came back from the dead too. In that, in well, that, in the right. show that the book haven't caught up to yet. In the show. I see what you're saying. Well, actually, there is a character that kind of came back, but it's not... But it's different, not right? Not really. It's it, not like... They're um, not the same person anymore. <laughs> Anyways, once you start bringing people, or once you start playing with time travel or whatever, it's just like, I just, I lose interest because the rules are gone at that point. Anyone who dies isn't really dead. Anything that happens can be easily undone. And it's just, That's kind of the pitfall of carrying on a franchise forever. Yeah, like, I mean, that's kind of a discussion (laughs) we had about um, a few podcasts back when we talked about shows, like what, how long should a a show go for in terms of how many seasons? One season. (laughs) Yeah. You're more like three, three four. Three-ish are good for me, but beyond that, I mean, comic books all have this problem too, where Mm -hmm. they they run their course and it's like, what do we do? Let's bring back this villain that everyone liked again, you know? And so they have to concoct or contrive a a reason. Different way or something, yeah, yeah. And I think that Pirates of the Caribbean is, it suffers from that a little bit, where they just tried to carry it on for so long that it it ran out of ideas. Mm -hmm. And so they they maybe infused some of those high fantasy ideas to try and do something with it, but. Um, I don't know if I have a good answer for this, other than um, yeah. When can you do it? I just say you shouldn't. You shouldn't do you it. You should establish the rules of your world, mm. whatever they are, and stick to them. So if that means you're going to have a high fantasy setting from the start, sweet. Uh, but yeah. kind of infusing it later on, unless you come up with a really good reason. Yeah, I was going to say somebody in the comments, give us some reasons or give me some examples of some movies where they've done this well. Yeah, I doubt there's very many, if any. <laughs> Because any time all of a sudden things start getting really weird, fantastical, it it I it usually is unsettling for people. I think Assassin's yeah. Creed did something something like that, and it's like, oh oh, I didn't realize that's what was going on. Ugh. And it just kind of yeah. feels weird, you know, because mm-hmm. you feel like you knew the world and the people, and it turns out you you don't. Yeah, I think that maybe is that's maybe where it goes wrong is that yeah. you you feel like you understand it, but then you don't, but not because there were suggestions along the way that you yes. didn't understand it the correct way, mm-hmm. but because they kind of just decided in the middle of things to change the rules on you. Yeah. And that doesn't normally sit very well. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work, I don't think. Uh, this one's from Chris Walker. With the release of your Witcher book review, Ooh. do you think there's any other novels or series of books that would, be, uh, that would make for a good video game? Maybe the world in the book would be interesting to explore or the story would be great if you could interact with it somehow. I think we talked about this Mm. on a really old Dark Pixel podcast once. Um, And I was really struggling to think. Yeah, Because novels are really hard to adapt 
to video games specifically yeah. because novels tend to really center on um, people interacting, talking, and, and a lot yeah, of the yeah. drama unfolds through interactions between characters, right? right? Um, they did it with The Witcher, which is like a, a, a direct contradiction to what I just said. It's true, <laughs> yeah. Because The Witcher novels themselves are, I don't want to call them, I don't want to say that they don't have action, because mm -hmm. they do have action, but it's just, the, it's predominantly it's, talking. It's book action. <laughs> it's mostly people talking yeah, to each other. Yeah. And so they still found a way to do that in the video games, but you still fight and all the things mm. you expect in terms of a combat system and questing and things to do and exploration, it all worked. So That's fine. I have to rescind what I just said because obviously <laughs> you can well, do it. It's almost like each chapter in the book he might end up at the very end of that chapter, he killed like one person. Yeah. Or in the game, you don't get out of a chapter of the game without killing like a hundred kill people. Tons <laughs> of people. <laughs> you just have to. It's just the game versus book kind of. Yeah. They pulled it off with The Witcher. Um, so yeah. I guess if I am operating on the idea that you can make it work, what is a book series that I would love to have made into a video game? Um, I think, I actually think, um, why can't I think of the name of the book where they burn all the books? Oh, Fahrenheit 451? Fahrenheit 451's yeah. World. Oh, yeah, the world. Could sure. work as a really good setting for actually, a Actually, almost like a Bioshock kind of thing, or like yeah. a dystopian, like something, yeah. A yeah. world, That'd dystopian kind of, cool. kind of uh, authoritative government, like yeah, controlling yeah. what you can and can't read. And then you have to like Your, evade the, the spy bots that are like yeah. always going after people. And he starts off in the organization that goes around burning all the books, yeah, right, yeah. doesn't he? And then, I haven't read well, it forever. And then he like leaves them, or am I thinking of something else? You're thinking of Equilibrium. I think so. Which Anyways, is basically the same thing. A cool storyline that is not adapting the book storyline would be maybe yeah. you're one of those guys. Yeah. You're going around burning books and See, you realize this is you, not... You have to take the world from the book, but don't necessarily do the storyline of the book. Yes. And I think that might be the key to making a good video game based on a book. That's how The Witcher is, right? It's yeah, exactly. It's not based on the stories of yeah. the, the books. It's mostly just like, here's the world, here's the places, and you're doing other things. I have a different thought, though. Mm -hmm. You guys read the book Hatchet in, like, fifth grade? Dude, that would be sick. That would be a sick video survival game. Yeah, survival, survival game. And just the elements, and you're getting screwed. you got to go hunt and chop down trees and stuff. And That's a good answer. That would be a pretty good game. I like that one. Uh, 1984 as an addendum to maybe uh, Fortnite 451. That kind of world, I, I think Ubisoft has explored similar, I haven't played the game, but what is it? Mm. Um, they have that one, it's like a multiplayer game and it's in this post-apocalyptic oh, like, world. Um, they're, they're burning people. And Wolfenstein? Or are you no, talking about like the, the 19, or 1886 or what was it called? Uh, I can't, no, it's not that either. It's not that one either? I can't remember oh. what it's called. It's, it's a strictly an online game. But anyways, I'll okay. think of it later. You were probably right about the Fahrenheit thing, by the way. I just, I haven't read that. I haven't read it in forever. And I can't remember, because I can't remember if he was in the organization Burning Books, or if he... Yeah, I don't cause remember Because I remember either. he's in a... I just remember him being in a house, and they have these, like... Yes. These walls. The TV and walls. And that's how everyone talks to yeah. each other, right? That's, like, how they communicate. No one, like, meets in person And anymore. they call their soap operas that they watch, they call them their friends. They're yeah. Like, oh, I have to go see my friends today, and it's just a yes. movie that they watch. And then they have the little earbuds constantly in their yes. ears all the time. Friggin' love that book. It's good. Yeah, game. dude, that would be a, that'd be a great game. Okay, Matthew Dunaway. Did I skip one? No, Matthew Dunaway. 
With the recent wonderful 101 Remastered Kickstarter being a success, do you mm. see other big name companies using Kickstarter as a means to gauge whether a project is worth doing? Uh, example, Harada from Namco had said in a tweet that Xenosaga HD Trilogy had been considered but failed in poor marketing analysis. It's really tricky with Kickstarter. I don't suggest, I don't want games to start doing that. <sighs> That's almost like the pre-sale, or what do yes. you call it? The pre-order yes. kind of thing, where it's like, oh, if we get enough pre-orders, we'll keep making the game, but yeah. if not, we'll just release you a crappy game. Yeah. So, a recent success, there's been a number of success stories on Kickstarter. Mm. Um, Bloodstained, which I think is basically the, mm. the guy who created Castlevania. So it's oh. kind of a, basically a Castlevania oh, successor. That people really liked that. Hmm. I know that um, there have been a couple of other games like Hollow Knight or oh, some Hollow indie Knight. games that were funded on Kickstarter hmm. and that were great. So I, 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 I am hesitant to say that Kickstarter as a platform is not the right place for video games, but I personally have had a really, in fact, I pushed, um, I pushed. Oh, the one, you donated and then they changed it, right? What the fetch is What it was called? it called? See, we don't even know. Kingdoms of the Dump. Oh, that's right, never mind. So, I thought you were talking about the one that sounded Korean or something like that. No, um, Kingdoms of the Dump is a game that I made a video for and I tried yes, to spread the word remember, about it. Yeah. An SNES style yeah, that was cool. RPG. Uh, maybe has a little bit of like kind of that grid battle system and, and stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, Mario RPG like a little bit. So I, I don't want to say it's it's not a viable place, but I had a really bad experience with Cologian. That's the one. Yeah, that's Which the one I thought you were talking about. They started out as being a two D action game, kind of similar in style to like something like Hyper Light Drifter. Oh yeah. And then in the middle of development, they decided they were going to change it to a 3D game. Mm -hmm. After you gave them money. The right? character, yes. Everyone had already, it, it was a, a total debacle. Did that game ever come out? Uh, no, they canceled it and they refunded everybody. Oh, good. Um, well, good. Like, sucks for them. Yeah. But, but I mean, that you got your money back. Here's, here's what I think about Kickstarter. Kickstarter should not be a place where you are at the conceptual phase. And right. you say, okay, let's, now we're in, the, we're in the conceptual phase. We have like some ideas of what we're going to do. Let's get some, mm. let's release the small amount of info we have on the Just game. Or the, the idea about or, it. Yeah. And you can kick start it and then we'll start development. I think you should yeah. have most of your development pretty much done. Mm. And, or, or, or be a significant way through it. Sure. To where what you're showing is pretty close to what the final product is right. going to be, and that, then kickstart yeah. it. That can take years of yes. working on it yourself, but yes. I think that's that's what it should be used for. Kickstarter yes. would have a much better reputation if people did that. Now, for games that already have a reputation... Uh, he or a backer. He's saying big studios using yeah. Kickstarter. I, I, I don't know. Don't think, I, I personally don't think it's a good idea. Um, Kickstarter is for indie devs, and let it let that remain... There, I don't want to start pre-ordering games before they've even developed. Unless it, it's a property sense. that the the studio no, no longer really believes in, and they're not ever going to yeah, fund he, it themselves. What, Zeno Saga, or but what did he the, give up? the director or the creator of that series yeah. wants to do it. I don't know. I would say he. I just don't know. <laughs> like like Hironobu Sakaguchi or something like that. You, if your studio is not going to fund your game, yeah. You leave that studio. You leave. Mm. You have to quit. If you really believe in your game and if you really believe in your idea, 
you need to make it a different way. And if they start their own smaller, different studio and do Kickstarter that way, yeah. I think that's fine. But if EA releases a Kickstarter, I'm never backing them ever. Yeah, that seems... I will never pre-order a game before it's even started development yet. Yeah. And that's what I see as Kickstarter being, unless it's an indie who can't do it any other way. Okay, Legendary Masamune, I was curious about your last Wish review, which, by the way, was the best review of a book I've watched today. Thank you. Um, what you thought of Sword of Destiny, uh, seeing as I never heard you mention it. I am currently doing a read-through of Sword of Destiny and recording it, and I will also do a book review of Sword of Destiny. That's coming next, so look forward to that. <coughs> Connor Merritt, I think Mike would enjoy the Legend of Heroes uh, Trials, or Trails of, Trails of, the Trails series, isn't it? Trails of is it Cold trials, Steel, trails, trails, trails of the Sky, whatever trails it is? Trails in the Sky. Yeah, Trails. Trails series. Yeah. And would love a retrospective in the future. I understand a lot of timeless RPGs will come before it, but I, uh, but the praise I can give it is that it replaces Final Fantasy as my favorite series uh, of all time. Um, I, have played, I have played Trails of Cold Steel a little bit, um, and I liked what they were doing in the battle system. I'm not a huge fan of that particular style of storytelling. It's a little bit Persona-esque. Mm. And um, I don't have time to get into that right now, but Persona's <laughs> not my favorite thing in the world. Sure. Let's put it that way. I never played those um, games. Landon did, though. Yes. Dimera, what's your opinion on the first Witcher game? It's rough. It's a very rough game. Uh, lots and lots of problems. Um, one of my favorites, mm. <laughs> one of my favorite things in the world is that there's a clip from the first Witcher game as one of the uh, classics of game videos. Have you seen that one? Well, maybe. Geralt goes running up and he's like... The lords are coming. Shove off. Who's above the lords? What is this crap? That's was, the was, first Witcher game. Wasn't that game of the year, though? No. It wasn't? It was... Okay, I thought um, Witcher, the first Witcher of, was... It was kind of a breakthrough success, a little bit underground, kind of a, a cult following that mm -hmm. developed around it. Enough to keep the studio going. Okay. The Witcher 2 was a much more polished game. Okay. And I liked The Witcher 2 quite a lot. It's what made me say, hey, I, when this next one comes out, I'll definitely give it a try. I like The Witcher 2. And then The Witcher 3 freaking blew my mind. So they got much better as it went along. Mm -hmm. Some people will argue that The Witcher 2 is better than 3. Those people are wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, last question. And this is going to kick us into, um, into our discussion on uh, DQ. It's a very long comment, and I cannot read the whole thing. I will give you a summary of it. But the question is this. Do you think we should include a film, a film adaption's faithfulness to the original work when judging the overall quality of that film? So because you had done your video on yes. Dragon Quest, your story, and I had That's done my question. recent uh, review of The Last Wish, which mm -hmm. I also touched on the show a little bit and how it was adapted and what mm. things were changed a little bit. I touched on a few of those things. So his question is, should you consider its faithfulness to the source when judging the quality of the thing? Yeah, so I do, I, you should not, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think you should. However, I have to, I don't know. I have to say that the, uh, any good work of art should be able to stand on its own you shouldn't have any supplementary material to the artwork. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and an adaptation, being a good movie. Like, this would be an example. Star Wars Episode Eight. 
is probably a better movie than seven or nine, mm. but it is not a better Star Wars movie <laughs> than seven or nine. It is possibly the worst Star Wars movie ever made, but it is, and, and that same vein, when you take the lore out of it, all of a sudden, and you just see it for what it is, yeah. it's one of the best Star Wars movies ever made because they, they, they do things very differently. And if the, if the characters weren't called Luke and who else? La- Lando? No, he's not a Leia, name. Leia, isn't it? Leia, Leia. If they didn't have those names, and if, it wasn't, if it was called Space uh, Meteor War <laughs> or Battles in the Sky, <laughs> then. Uh, that's it, a winning name. It, right? That's a winning title for It would have been a much better movie, I think. But because I was preconditioned, like I mentioned in the video with yeah. Harry Potter, with Lord of the Rings, because right. I was preconditioned, having already been familiar with the source material. Um, I didn't like episode eight at all. Mm. And I don't, I still don't like it at all. But I can recognize that it, I believe it was actually, a, it's a better movie than seven or nine if you take away all of the lore and all of the nostalgia. Mm. The movie stands alone a lot better. But um, there's something to be said about marketing and, and how marketing sometimes lies to you and what something is. And I still would fault the company with mismarketing something, saying, hey, this is an adaptation of this book you like. It's just like the book, guys. You liked the book, come watch the movie. And it's not just like the book. That is frustrating, and it is the fault of the artists to the extent that the producers and executives are artists. But aside from that, if you just look at the director's work, the cinematographer's work, the writer's work, judging it as a standalone you know, body of work without the lore, I think you should be able to do that without... Um, without uh, bringing in the original material at all. Mm. So this is not a podcast about Star Wars Episode Eight. I know. So I, therefore, people I leave comments, not, I don't care. So therefore, I will not go into depth explaining what I'm, or qualifying what I'm about to say. <laughs> okay. But I actually think even as a standalone movie, it's not very well made. Okay. And I don't like how it's structured from a storytelling standpoint. Mm. That's just a... Take it or leave it rebuttal to, to, to the idea of it being Fair a good movie, enough. which I don't, I don't think it's a good movie even <laughs> if it's not a Star Wars movie. But uh, I want You're going to gonna take more of the hate then in the comments <laughs> from me. Thank you for that. That was very uh, nice. You're welcome. I'll, I'll, I'll take one for the team today. Um, so he goes into um, talking about a friend of his who had been a huge Tolkien fan before Fellowship of the Ring came out. Mm. And when they went and saw the movie, he hated it. And they argued. How could you hate fellowship? They argued like crazy about. Well, they changed this and that, and and, and yeah. you know, his expertness. He had read it like a bunch of times and right. knew it back and like the back of his hand. And uh, where's later Tom on, Bombadil? Where's Tom Bombadil? <laughs> later on, uh, they went and saw Spider Man, and the other fo- so a group ah, of friends. Right? Yes, I see. I uh, see what this is. Uh, going. John is the Tolkien guy, and he hates Lord of the Rings. Then you have. This other guy who is comic book fan guy, yes. and they fought about mm. Fellowship of the Ring, and he tried to convince him. Uh-huh. It's ju- you got to judge it just on if it's a good movie or not, right. not on the faithfulness yeah, to the yeah. thing. Then they go see Spider Man, and this guy's like, oh, all the things, and he's like, well, you got to just judge it based on <laughs> whether it's a good movie or not. And they and they uh, were, they would the argue with each turned. other about whether or not the thing they like applies to that. Con- anyways, yep, yep, yep. so. Essentially, let me see if I can... Uh, this is a good exercise. In ju- it's a good thought exercise, though. Just If the shoe's on the other foot, does your argument still hold? And a lot of times you can find that yeah. for a lot of people it doesn't. It's just purely... 
Okay. You know. Here, here. This is the part I want to read from him, and yeah. I want to say to Dude McGuire, I read the whole thing. It's it's really good. He read the whole novel. I read the whole book. The whole book that you wrote, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all 500 pages. But here he says, from my experience, we are usually better off experiencing adaptions to be different when we walk into them. Did I read that right? So expecting adaptions to be different when we walk into them. Judging it as its own story first and then critiquing its faithfulness as an adaption of the original work afterwards. Not only yeah. will you generally end up enjoying film adaptions more this way, but the discussion that follows afterwards will be things like, what did they change about X? Is that better or worse for the story? Did that change make it better as a film? How could they have not changed X and kept the story flowing well? These types of things sure. versus... If you consider the adaption's faithfulness first, uh, it leads to discussions more like they changed X, and X was really good in the original, so changing it is terrible. Or they changed this character, they weren't like that before. So mm -hmm. he's saying that the discussion is more interesting when you consider it on its own first, and then, okay, what about its faithfulness mm -hmm. afterwards? And did those changes actually hurt or help the story right. in this format? You know, as I get older, I do lean more towards that. I, I do yeah. when I well, like this is how we are with the Final Fantasy VII remake. We're like, mm. you know what? This isn't this isn't a remake. This is an adaptation. Yeah. And understanding that it's an adaptation, our our expectations are tempered from what they would have been if this game came out when we were like eighteen. Mm -hmm. We'd be freaking stoked out of our mind if this game came out. When oh we were yeah. 18. Of course, actually, maybe we wouldn't have ever played the original if we were only eighteen. But you get the point, right? Yeah. I see. I see. So. Um, as it relates to what you just said, uh, one of the examples in my Dragon Quest video was Dumbledore when he was like, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And, and Harry's like, ah. and then in the book, you open the book and it says, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And it says Dumbledore asked calmly. Yeah. Calmly is yeah. the word. One word, calmly. And that scene literally made me hate the movie mm -hmm. when I was, it was Harry Potter 4. And when that happened, I was like, this movie sucks. Mm. Because one word in the book was not translated correctly into the movie. Yeah. Like, that's the level that a lot of times, and I can't help it, I guess, because I have this image in my mind of what I think the movie's going to be. Yeah. And that, that was the first time I'd read the book right before seeing the movie, other than like Two Towers and some other things. But I hadn't, I, I hadn't um, met the difficulties of filmmaking in any significant way before that. I just didn't realize, why don't you just do it the way it's written in the book? Why not? Yeah. And I couldn't ever answer that myself, and so that would be my assumption. But when I think about it, and I thought about this as I was making the video, I probably should have mentioned something. I think Dumbledore being extremely, extremely pissed and really upset that Harry's name is in the Goblet of Fire makes way more sense mm -hmm. than him calmly being like, y did you do that? Okay, no big, no big deal, you know. Yeah. If you did or not, whatever. Because of Dude. people's perceived favoritism. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right? Like yeah. Uh, the ministry's perceived, his perceived favoritism of Harry, which comes yeah, up yeah. later in the series, right? Yes, well, I think the very next book, in, yeah. in the fifth He has movie, to pretend like he yes, doesn't care about him. It's, it's rough on him. Yeah. But yeah, that's true. And, and also, um, with the fact that the, why would somebody put Harry's name in the Goblet of Fire? Well, this is like really high level stuff. They're trying to kill him. Right. Like he literally understands. They're trying to kill him. Someone's trying to kill you. 
who is it? You didn't do this, right? And like, it just makes more sense, I think. Like when a parent uh, gets angry at a child when they yeah. put themselves in danger, but yes. they're not really angry at like them. Like if my kid runs out in the street, out. I'm like, freaking stop. I'll grab him by the arm, I'll yank yeah. him back, and I'll be like, no. We, I, I don't know, maybe there's a better way to deal with it, but you try to make the experience unpleasant in hopes of deterring future actions like Sure, that. yeah. And I feel like with Dumbledore, he very well in the movies let Harry know how serious it was. And mm-hmm. you didn't understand quite how serious it was in the books until later mm. when you're like, oh, whoa, this was like way serious, right? Like he's yeah. fighting what dragons and you know all this stuff that he's doing. It's like actually pretty dangerous. Yeah. And uh, you just didn't think of that before because you didn't know what was going on. But Dumbledore knew what was going on. So it just made more sense there. And it doesn't take away from the books because now you have to go back the other way and say, oh, you think that it was better that Dumbledore was mad in the movies? Well, then the books did it wrong then. Are you criticizing the right. books now? And it's like, no, I just, <laughs> they're different and they worked for what they did. And it honestly it makes sense both ways, I guess. But there's nothing wrong with yeah. changing that to give the character a little bit more life and a little bit more reality because Dumbledore is like the larger than life person in mm-hmm. the movies, you know, to just show a moment of him just like losing it because, you know, he really cares about Harry and Harry's possibly going to die now. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I just, I get it. So I, I never got this though when I was watching The Two Towers. It took me years before I was really, like I'd still watch the extended edition DVDs. Like I still watched it in theaters like seven times because there's just nothing like it. It's so, it's cool. It just wasn't like the book and I was so disappointed at The Two Towers. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. Like, I think they're great movies now. Like, like I say in the video, I, I, I eventually came around. But it takes a long time. You just have to, I guess, you just have to grow up and temper your expectations yeah. a little bit. Yeah, well, and, and this is kind of my stance on adaptions just in general, is that mm. it's not about copying and pasting the thing over here. Because... For one, it's literally impossible. This is too large to fit in this format. Way too large. Way too like, big. You you, could, you'll be lucky if you get 20% of what's in the book in your movie. And you can't also yeah. just, okay, we'll snip these chapters out yeah. and just take this and copy and paste it in <laughs> so that we can then create the right runtime. It, right. it won't work. No, that doesn't you, make sense. You are forced, and this is coming from filmmaking background. Right. Um, you have to make specific changes and it's not just an interpretative, it's like it's just, it's necessary to make the movie work because we only have this much time to establish this idea. Let's Mm. say um, we have to set up that Harry is being abused by his uncle and aunt or whatever and we have um, five and a half minutes in which to establish this because uh, I don't know right. what the actual runtime is. In a movie it's longer, but let's let's call it 10 minutes. Just for the we have, two, three scenes, right? We have 10 minutes to say yeah, this. Like three scenes. If you read the book, it takes yeah. two hours yeah, or to get through the first two or three chapters. To yeah. get the same amount of information. Right. So how do we summarize those ideas into 10 minutes? And that means that some lines will be word for word the same, and other ones yeah. you'll have to change it or the scene will have to move a little faster. And, right. And so that necessitates changes. Mm. That is, or should be, totally okay with people because you, you just can't expect it to be otherwise. Right. The, the problem isn't 
that there are things that are different. Say in Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Tom Bombadil being entirely removed <laughs> from the just story. Not there, right. right? That's an like, example of where you can just cut out two chapters. Right. And just choo, just leave gone. It. It's just way too much. We yeah. can, we it, we have to. But let's say um, Frodo waiting. What is it like? Ten or fifteen years or twenty mm, years? Yeah, it was like before years. he leaves the Shire. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, Gandalf's uh, doing whatever. <laughs> yeah. And instead, they make it feel like maybe a, a few weeks or months. Later. Exactly. It feels like no time has passed. And and even even after Gandalf tells him you need to leave immediately in the book, mm. he still drags his feet. Right. So that is okay when you're sitting down and your expectations for reading a book or getting lost in a book are, right. I'm going to be involved in this long journey. But for a film's pacing, that's just, gosh, that would be so boring. It would. And <laughs> it's part of the whole like, oh, it's a hobbit, right? The hobbit lifestyle. It doesn't yeah. fit adventure. Like even Frodo and Bilbo are the adventurous hobbits, but they're still hobbits. Right. They want to stay home. They want to be comfortable. They want to eat good food. They don't want to go cross country, you know? Yeah. And... Uh, they, they didn't have time to really hammer that in with Frodo and the Lord of the Rings because mm -hmm. you don't really get that sense with Frodo. Yeah. As soon as there's danger, he's like, all right, what do I do? Let's get out of here. Let's move, let's but move. But in the books, he's more hesitant. But you, and you get that more in The Hobbit, in the movie, yeah. the movie The Hobbit and the book. You get more of the hesitancy. But they just kind of left that. They just forewent that in the movie Fellowship of the Ring. And that's kind of helped things move along a lot yeah. better. <laughs> film pacing, good film pacing necessitates those changes. Yeah. And I don't think that those changes alter in any significant way mm. the spirit of what the book is getting at. Yeah, I don't think right? so. Right? So we talk about this a lot. We've had numerous podcasts where we've talked about retaining the spirit of something yeah, yeah. when you adapt it, not literally copying and pasting it over. Exactly. So I have a whole podcast where I talk about what I thought the heart of Fellowship of the Ring was and oh, why right. that, that was, was retained. One. If you want to go back to one of our really early uh, State of the Ark podcasts, you know, it's in the list, in the playlist somewhere. It's like a year ago. Um, so if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that, that's there. But, for instance, in Harry Potter, um, I don't think the spirit or, or what it is people really get out of that, mm -hmm. like the, the real heart of it, has anything to do with whether or not Dumbledore is angry and upset <laughs> or whether yes, he's calm absolutely. when he asks about that. In that moment. The, yeah. the Those books are about that friendship over so many years and how it changes mm. and develops and the, the experience of, it, it's a coming of age story, yeah, but dragged certainly. out over the length of what it feels like in real life, yeah. every year going to school and your friends change and they're going yeah. through different yeah. changes and, and maybe you're, you have an affinity for this person and then you, you kinda, not so much anymore later right. and, and maybe they, they'll doubt you for a while but then you'll make up later. Maybe even your best friend, sure. you have a falling yeah. out for a bit and you're not friends anymore. And the, this type of adolescent learning, growing mm. together is what Harry Potter did best. Yeah. And those so. character interactions, the, yeah, yeah. the good balance of, of character types together yeah. in, in the situations made, them, made the stakes high, made them fun, made them like it, it, the right dynamic of people. And seeing those people grow together, that's, not, that's why people read and loved Harry Potter. It wasn't because of the overarching Voldemort plot. Right. <laughs> like yeah. that is a setting and a backdrop mm -hmm. that is interesting for this world to take place and give it some kooky flavor for the characters who really worked together. Yeah. That main cast, Hermione, Ron, Harry, was just a phenomenal combination yeah. of character types. 
and their chemistry was amazing. And mm. that was retained in the film. Yeah, the films well. captured very that. Well. And so my opinion is that the Harry Potter films caught and retained the heart of mm. the books. I think they did a very good job. Despite all the changes that happened. So yeah. I consider those great film adaptions. Sure. So switching over to Dragon Quest now, right? Yes. So everyone who's seen the video knows mm. your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I actually liked it. See, Better than a lot of other people did. Yeah, that's very interesting because I, I looked online when I initially <laughs> was making my video because I was like, okay, I didn't love the movie and I was like, I need to make sure, I need to go and see what other people thought of this movie because yeah. I may have completely missed something, you know? Yeah. Um, and for the most part, people online didn't seem to like it either. There's, a, there's a lot, and it's because that twist ending is really it poorly. It hurts me. It's really poorly yeah. executed. You know what? When when we got that question about Pirates of the Caribbean and how all of a sudden they threw in a yes. big, huge, yes. extra twist, yes. I feel like there may have been a right way to do it. I don't know that they necessarily okay. did it. Okay, so I think I know the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah. But I'll say first that all things considered, mm. like I felt like it captured the spirit of Dragon Quest pretty well throughout the so, main actually. bulk of the film. I think that's true. Like, yeah. I didn't think it was a bad movie. It was rushed in the beginning during yes. the child sequence, yeah. but again, this is a necessity for mm. the time. It would have been better perhaps as a series, like a three or four part so. mini series. Yeah, yeah, like episodes, yeah. So that you could get the whole thing mm. in there. But as a film, working within the limitations of the time that you have, right. I thought they did okay with those montage sequences and sort of yeah, like the level jumping through parts right. quickly. And, and kind of getting at the heart of what Dragon Quest was really all about. Right. And I was really pretty thoroughly enjoying it. I think that did a very good job in that. Um, I thought, like, it, it, it established the right tone mm. so that the wackiness worked. Yeah, and, yeah it wasn't overly um, serious. I wasn't, like, really nitpicking the voice actors or anything mm. like that because it yeah. was, it, it, that, and that's what Dragon Quest feels like. Right. I don't feel like nitpicking Dragon Quest stories because right. <laughs> they don't necessitate that I take them very seriously. It's right? true. They don't ask you to. So yeah. that's how I felt about the movie. Yeah. And then this twist ending came in. If you have not seen the movie, you please watch it. You probably the last ten minutes. See it first before we talk about it. We're beginning some spoilers. Yeah. There are time codes to skip ahead if you need to do that in the description. Yeah. Man, was that what did that heck? feel out of left field? It was really weird. I couldn't, as they were now, doing it, I was just slowly like, really? <sighs> really? I wanted to stop it like right then. And there. I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't blame anyone for feeling that way. Hmm. And initially, I was feeling that way too. When right. it first like, like all yeah. the, a turn off collision, turn off yes, uh, textures. textures yeah, turn, yeah. It was like, this is freaking cheesy as balls. What yeah. is going on here? This is, this is I, I was not into it. Did and you watch it with English voice actors? I did. I watched it with Japanese voices. Oh, did you? And I wonder if that lent to me actually, usually it helps me like things better. I wonder if that lent to me liking it Do less. you think that there's a reason why it would he, have? It was just over, J Japanese tends to overdo the theatrical aspects of acting, the, the anime. We're going to get more into theatrics versus cinematics okay, when good. we talk about FS7 Remake. But, but he, was, he was just like, like losing it, screaming at this computer program Holy that crap. I'm not, I really, I do, these it's people are, over, or, well, overdone. okay, we can say it, right? Like we already gave the warning. Yeah. Okay, like this game is real and it's all real to me and he's just like crying and just like, Oh, and I'm just that like, part, yeah. what the heck? See, I, thought I just that didn't was... feel it. And he, here he is just like losing it here. And I'm just like, bro, I'm not, 
I'm I, not with you right now. In English, I thought that was actually okay. I, like, I, maybe I should watch I it again. I didn't feel like it was... It's certainly hammy. Like, it's... Uh, it's a... It's a... I wouldn't blame anyone being like, that's <laughs> retarded. Like, come on, man. Like, just... Right? Like, it's yeah. a super cheesy concept. But I felt the sentiment where it was coming from. And I think it sure, was helped yeah. by the fact that I was watching it with... Christine, mm-hmm. um, for those of you who don't know Christine, I've been dating her for many, many years. And, um, well, I don't know how much I want to share without asking her, but she grew up with her father, uh, who was a very big fan of JRPGs, especially mm-hmm. on the Super Nintendo, PlayStation 1 era. Even in the PlayStation 2, he played Final Fantasy X a lot. Oh, nice. So he was a huge fan of those games, and that was her way of bonding with him. And so he passed away from cancer in 2012, and that was a part of her life that is already deeply emotional for her. So she tends to have, well, I don't know if I should put it that way, but this movie, I think, touched on that with her. And I'm sitting next to her. And when you see a movie with somebody, I Mm -hmm. think that that can affect your own, the way you receive it too. I think I agree. So I agree. that touched her emotionally. I understood where that was coming from with her. Mm. I've had my experience with, say, Final Fantasy VII that was kind of a life-altering, right. inspirational type of sure. game-changing experience where I knew I needed to be a storyteller after playing that game. Mm. It, it changed my whole path in life almost. So hmm. the sentiment of it is true. Yes. If you've been through that, you can feel that. I mean, I For, do ag- I agree. I don't think that everyone who plays video games mm. has had that kind of experience with right. a game. And that can feel really like a seriously, you seriously, like the sentiment of right. the villain who was the hacker guy, like grow up loser type yes. of uh, response yeah, yeah. to something like that, right? Right. I think many people will respond to the concept of these real, these words are re- worlds are real to me if, at, in that type of way. Like grow up loser, it's just a game. Right. Get over yourself. Mm. But I had an experience like that. Right. <laughs> so I, I get where they're coming from. Now, mm. that being said, they should have set the movie up. And yes. pr- uh, they should have paid, that payoff should have been set up yeah. to tell the audience at the beginning, this is what we're now, really doing with this. I agree. And I actually, I looked into this a little bit. Mm. And because people online say they did let you know ahead of time what was happening they in did it. subtle ways. No, it was Because it's too, called your story. Way too right? subtle. It's called your story, and the character you like, he's floating in space towards these yes-no binary decisions yes. where he picks it, and then at the very beginning, it's a, it's just the game graphics. It's not the actual thing. Yes. There are like a few things. I agree. They didn't do it well. It's not But enough. they technically sort of did something like well, it. Well, and there's those parts where they, they mention like, this time around, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, this time? Yeah, yeah. Like, I know that the hints are there. But this is an example where the breadcrumbs are almost microscopic. I know. And you cannot, so... You cannot guess that yeah. that's where they're going with it. Yeah. And when you have such a hard departure from this is a literally an adaption of the story of Dragon mm-hmm. Quest V to, to actually psych- this is a nostalgia baiting freaking yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like meta freaking message about whether games uh, should mean as much to us as they do. I think funny, you should have told yeah. the audience from the start this is what the movie is. Yes. And that would have made that go down a lot smoother. Yeah. 
It would have made it go down smoother, but it might have made it into a worse movie, knowing that at the beginning, because that just turned me off so much at the end. I actually liked the movie most of the way through. Yeah. And I liked, I watched it with my wife, mm-hmm. who does not have much experience playing RPGs. And so she was like, why does everyone look weird? Why is this, like, everything's crazy? Why does nothing make sense? Why are the characters, you know, behaving this way? And why does everything look, like, kind of cartoony? And I'm like, okay... This is really cool. These are this is the like the best selling game in the history of Japan ever. And this is like this is this is cool. It's just what they do. It's campy, but it's fun. But it's you know she's like, where are the dragons? Because it's called Dragon Quest. <laughs> I'm like, well, Dragon Quest isn't really about dragons. <laughs> so I, there's a lot of things I had to explain to her well, that the, throughout the, the thing. The so I didn't quite series. have the re, the uh, it, back. It became a series, kind of like Final Fantasy. Why is it called Final? That's like asking why is Final Fantasy called Final Fantasy if it's not the final? I one? know. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. like it's um, originally that was part of the concept, but we're now in a series, and so they've. It's totally, but yeah, exactly. So it's funny. So the person I watched it with was someone who couldn't take it seriously at all for two seconds, and then the person you watched it with was the exact opposite. And so I, maybe my wife impacted my opinion because I was defending it up until the end. I could no longer defend the movie at the end. Because the whole way through, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool. This is just classic. This this Dragon Quest is all about just like the the tropes and the cheese and the and the the campiness, and it's just it's just fun. It's just meant to be fun. It's not serious. It's not dramatic. Yeah. And by the end, I was just like, because they started taking it too seriously. Yeah. They were like, these games are real. And he was in the Japanese version. He's really, really, really vocally. I don't know what it is like in the English version, but he's like very, very much so. He's very emotional about how real these games are to him. And at that point, I could no longer defend this movie to my <laughs> wife. And she just thought it was weird. And I was just like, come on. I don't want to say too much about my wife. She's wonderful. But <laughs> that did affect my viewing. That did affect my viewing. And my pro- possibly my, my opinion of the whole thing overall. Sure. But even still, a bad ending can ruin an entire movie. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's what happened here for me. Well, and this isn't even, I mean... It, it, it plays off as if it is an adaption of Dragon Quest V. But they, the truth is, is that it's not it's an adaption not. of Dragon Quest V. Yeah. It's a story about a kid playing Dragon Quest exactly, V. Exactly, which is what made it so... Yeah, so, you just didn't know what it was. I don't even think its faithfulness as an adaption necessarily even plays a role. That's a good point. Because it's not really an adaption. <laughs> <it's not. laughs> then this is that Pirates of the Caribbean thing, where they, they, they gave us a world, they set up rules and boundaries to that world, yeah. and then in the end, they just broke all the rules and said, yeah, none of this actually matters, and, well, they didn't. Actually, they said it this matters really matters. Really a lot. Way a lot, more than you think. Yeah. <laughs> Which they didn't need to say, I got it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's basically that thing where they just, they, they, they took something that you thought you understood and they made it into something that you really had trouble grasping, mm-hmm. I guess. I had trouble grasping. Yeah, I, I can see that. So, mm-hmm. in any case, um, I get it, but I also really get why people don't like it and yeah. I don't blame them. So. I wonder if there's a way you could just edit the, that part out and if the movie would actually be pretty good <laughs> if you watch it and then just watch the whole thing play out after, just take that whole part out question. of it. Because they unpause it at some point and it keeps going. Yeah. And then it's like, then now it's an adaptation. <laughs> what can I say? Okay, so this kind of brings us back to um, our discussion about the spirit of Final Fantasy from last time. Sure. And we talked about, let's watch the spirits within and see if it captured the spirit of right. Final Fantasy. So, 
Before I return to the comments that people made about it, I just want to talk about the movie itself. Uh, in short, no. It feels nothing like Final Fantasy. Not even a little bit. <laughs> it doesn't even feel like a fantasy movie. It, it, it feels like a total straight science fiction. Yeah, just sci-fi. And it's not even that far in the future. It's like 70 years in the future. It's on like Earth. Yeah, it's here on Earth. 70 in the years. semi-recent... <laughs> uh, what's the word for that? Not recent future. What am I thinking? The not-so-distant not future. Not-too-distant future, yeah. And uh, here's the only thing about it that I could even begin to tie it to Final Fantasy. Yeah. Around the time that this movie was conceived or they got the idea they wanted to do a movie, they were also coming up with ideas for Final Fantasy VII. Right. And there was lots of things pitched. Xenogears was pitched as a possible oh, right. Final Fantasy VII That's right, from yeah. Tetsuya Takahashi. They, were all, they had also pitched um, a New York, a contemporary New yeah. York setting as a place for like a, um, an investigation or sort of a mystery story to take place yeah. as a potential mm. premise for Final Fantasy VII. That kind of became uh, Parasite Eve. Mm. But you see a couple of these ideas make their way sort of into mm. this movie. Yeah, sure. Um, the New York setting. Yeah. So this movie takes place in a, a future New York. Yeah. And the idea of the planet having a spirit. Yeah, a life right. stream. A life stream. Yeah, exactly. It's straight up life stream yeah. in the planet. That is it's the, the beginning. same color, and it has the little wispy <laughs> arms, and it's everything. That is the beginning and the end of any similarity uh, to the video games. That although this, movie has. this girl looks a little bit like a little bit like Yuna from Final Fantasy X. Kind of, like yeah. a little bit. She's got that very '90s <laughs> haircut. Uh, yes, like all the yes. girls on Friends, where you yeah, just like hard yeah. taper it at the shoulders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyways, yeah. Well, so my short answer to this is not only is it not a fantasy movie, it's a mm. science fiction movie, so it feels nothing like the video games. I didn't right. feel it retained in any way, shape, or form the spirit of the game series. Sure, yeah, I agree. For all the reasons that we talked about in the last one. It's also just not a good movie, period. It's, it was very <laughs> hard for me to get through. It's After the good. first 10 minutes, I was like, it was hard for me to watch. I, I would love to hear people in the comments um, just offer who liked the movie to offer uh, some reasons why. Um, it was beautiful. There were some really good-looking shots. Uh, there was some interesting fight scenes, although what they're fighting, even at the end of the movie, it's not clear. I don't know <laughs> exactly what's going on there. Um, but, yeah, the story, the writing, the acting, it was very very hard for me to watch. The writing's terrible. It's, I mean, it's there's, unbelievably there's bad. constant, as you know, dialogue. Yeah. Um, the villain is, I mean, just a complete moron. Like the, the dude, it's, so, it's, it's, such a, it's such a trope and an archetype to have the military yeah. guy be a completely mm -hmm. singular focused on just, I just want to kill and hurt and harm and... Use nukes, use nukes! Even yeah. though... I mean, military guys, especially strategists in mm. a high-ranking position, like yeah. an officer, these dudes are very, very smart people. Right. And yeah. when your, your uh, weapon is malfunctioning or overheating, <laughs> and it's like everyone around you is advising, like, we cannot fire again. Yeah, And you're like, happen. no, force it. And then he blows himself up. It's no, just no one with that awful. mindset would ever even get that far in the first place. Like awful. maybe his dad was important or something. I don't know. We don't know his backstory because we know nothing about his character other than the one dimension they showed us. There's there, no character there work was, almost at all. <laughs> I know, for anybody, actually. Nobody has an arc. Yeah. Nobody, nobody, there's there, nothing There was there. almost a point where he 
was like, what have I done? Like where he starts to sort of regret what he did and he realizes he made a huge mistake. And I felt like, okay, we're getting somewhere. All right, let's see what this guy does. Let's see how this character ends up. And no, he, he didn't regret it at all. In fact, he is freaking insane. And somehow he got into outer space and he was really down on himself until he heard that, what's her name? She had an interesting name, oh, by the way. I can't even it was remember. Very Just, interesting. The whole name. thing's so forgettable. Holy um, crap. Whatever her name is, uh, <laughs> she, he hears that they're there, like harvesting spirits and stuff, and he's like, "Oh, we're all right. We're gonna nuke all the spirits now." <laughs> so he's about to kill himself, and he's like, "No, he found a new purpose in life, and his new purpose is to just like be a complete a hole and foil these people's <laughs> plans who are also trying to save the world." And he's like, "Oh, my life is worth. Oh, oh, I could do something." I could nuke everything right now. All right, yeah, and he's excited to go do it now, and he drops the gun, and he goes up, and he uh, nuke, fire, 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 and he just destroys everything. And Such an idiot. it's like they had a chance to make some sort of redemption character arc plot twist thingy that could sort of work, and they yeah. decided, no, we're just going to stick pure generic for everything. What was so weird about it was that movies, because of the short mm-hmm. runtime, they tend to have problems with balancing how much character do we work on and how much plot exposition do we give. (laughs) And this movie was almost entirely plot and exposition and no character. Yeah. But even within that, I felt it was the rules of it all was so poorly explained that I had no idea (laughs) how anything operated. Like I know, because she kept saying, no, guys, the spirits... They're really nice. They're just misunderstood. Why are we fighting them? But it's like, do you? I don't, I'm pretty sure they just killed 99% of all humanity, and you're telling me they're just misunderstood and we shouldn't be The trained. whole goal was to collect yeah. these eight compatible spirits, but what right. makes them compatible? Like, what are they looking for? It's I like don't know, the dude. eighth. I don't know. They say the eighth spirit, but then the eighth spirit dies or goes away somehow, but then I I don't understand what they're doing. Theoretically, there could have been hundreds of spirits. They just needed eight of the hundreds. And And in which case, what are they doing? I I know, that's a good point. I don't, I can't. So the whole movie's focused on plot and I still don't understand how anything works. So they chose plot over characters and they didn't even do that well. So it's like they they missed both. It's so badly written. It's insane. Yeah. And the acting was very hard for me. And they actually got some bigger named actors, but I think they just like... I don't know. It's it was, just not it, a good at script. At that point, it's on the director. It's, it's not it's a good not. script. So we have... Yeah, that was rough. The Spirit of Final Fantasy, right? We talked about the Spirit of Something being the music, the art, the creator, scenario writer. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have Uematsu. No, that's right. That's the art right. direction, I, I would not think, was at all no. n- uh, Amano. No, I don't think so. Uh, and not even like Nomura or any or of Nomura, yeah, because they were doing like ten. And and so you have basically Sakaguchi. You had Sakaguchi as the director and writer, right? He wrote and directed. And I don't know what happened, but it's not well written. But even then, <laughs> you have only scenario written by this guy, and you have some some vague concepts yeah. of FF in there, but it does not feel like a fantasy story. It right. Feels like a science fiction, and so it's as loosely tied to the name Final Fantasy as it could possibly be, and it yeah. does not carry the spirit at all. At all. So I totally agree with that. So. In fact, now that I've seen the movie, I kind of get why he was fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not being serious about that. Don't, you know, come on, guys. I'm just joking. But the movie, I remember hearing, like, oh, no, Sakuchi directed a movie, and after all these successes, 
he made one bad mistake and they they he lost his job because of it. Yeah. But this was really bad. Like this was it's this was good. this was as embarrassing a final product as anyone has made, in especially when they spend a hundred million dollars. It bombed for good reason. Yeah, um, it's pretty bad. So that being said, there was one comment being made where someone was talking about Sok- You know, your adoration or praise of Sakaguchi is misplaced. He's not perfect. I responded to that guy. There's a bunch of other stuff he said that mm. I didn't agree with, but I wanted to say this right. to say we don't think he's infallible either. He's no. had some missteps along the way for sure. Yeah. Um, now, one comment from last week that I thought was interesting mm. was why is it that it seems to be Final Fantasy that struggles with this while as other franchises like Zelda or Fire uh, Emblem yeah. have mm. been passed on to different Creative yeah, managers, very well. Yet yeah. they have retained their mm. spirit. So and even to speak. when they make changes, it's still yeah. No one's complaining, right? So there are definitely um, there's definitely more to discussing what makes the uh, the spirit of something than, than what creators. we could have possibly sure. gotten into in one podcast last week. <laughs> and and that was sort of a launching point for the discussion, saying if you got the music and you got the scenario writer and you got the 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 art guy, then you should then you should be able to find it somewhere yeah. in there. That's not like a an answer universally to everything. I'm sure that there are counterexamples like say Zelda or Fire Emblem or something. Now, mm. Fire Emblem since Awakening has felt pretty different from the classic ones. And even even the ones that when they started finally being localized, like GBA and the GameCube oh, ones. Yeah. Um, there are people who argue those still feel very different from the Super Nintendo and NES ones, oh, which that's when that guy who created it sort of like departed. Uh, and so in, in the age of the GBA and the GameCube, mm-hmm. that age, mm-hmm. they say it, it feels differently there. So hmm. I'm not familiar enough. I mean, I, I've played every Final Fantasy game multiple times. I've played Fire Emblem games each maybe once and a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak for does it feel the same, quite to the same extent I can for this. Um, anyways, there are some good, I'm just saying there are some good uh, comments that bring up some counterexamples and, and I just want to acknowledge we couldn't have possibly figured out because there is no way to. This is a very nebulous concept. What is the spirit of something and how do you determine what it is? If you can define but, the spirit of something, then you're, <laughs> I like, good job. Then you, you should be working in the industry and doing adaptions. Exactly, please, right? please do. Now. This is one that I wanted to read. This comes from, and, and I want to respond to, um, this was sent to me in a text. Um, I don't want to say his name in case, so I'm just going to refer to you as him here to not put your name in you if you don't want me to say your name on <laughs> the podcast. But, so what happened was, Heon had left that comment on your Dragon Quest XI video about yeah, I remember. Um, the spirit of Final Fantasy was very Change. well established originally. Oh, yeah. It was not about Final yeah. Fantasy disease and uh, that whole and thing we talked about last week. About it. Yeah, yeah, I got you. This person was the one who got into a debate with him on mm. that comment section. And I just wanted to say, because it might have seemed like I read that and was taking Heon's side or something. I didn't mm. even read that whole exchange. I actually only read Heon's comment, and then I spoke with him further about it in a Discord on chat. Discord, yeah. So I had not read your exchange with him. So if it if it came across like I thought your points weren't good, and I agreed with what he said, I apologize. That's not what I meant to <laughs> insinuate because I had not read that entire thread, right? So, but anyways, 
He's, he also said he, he wishes he could talk in person, and I didn't have time to have a conversation with him, but he felt he could express himself better through a conversation mm -hmm. than in text. So he ended up writing a text, and if anything feels, I don't know, to him like he's not expressing himself fully, I apologize that I made you do it this way. <laughs> this is just the way it had to work. <laughs> so he wanted to bring some rebuttals up to things that we said. Mm. First off, I just wanted to make a few clarifications. I know I was the opposing viewpoint being addressed in the DQ video, uh, so I think it's important to clear up a couple of details. I don't think at all that FF doesn't have a spirit. Um, I don't believe that they make Final Fantasy 16 uh, a ceiling fan, therefore it is justified because it is a change. I think it's because you had brought up yeah. Is, is Final Fantasy uh, that camera or this table? Or, I yeah. think that's what he's referring to with that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's a little extreme. I do believe that each Final Fantasy game has its own spirit that makes it unique. Let's start with the very beginning. Final Fantasy 1 allows you to pick your team from generic job classes, then setting you off into this world with an upbeat uh, musical score, rescuing Princess right off the bat, uh, the king with gladness in his heart sends warriors off across a newly built bridge for them to fulfill the prophecy and save the world. This is, this is easily felt in the iconic moment uh, as the four warriors of light look back at the castle. It's, it's kind of like a, they have like almost a matte painting in the original mm. game when they're kind of looking at it and then the Final Fantasy theme comes in. It's iconic. Uh, a true adventure in every sense of the word. Now look at Final Fantasy II. You play as a group of set, set characters left for, left for dead by the Empire. Princess Hilda rejects your offer to join the rebel army. So as you wander off into the wilderness with no home, no food, no family, he's basically hinting at it's a lot darker. It goes into a lot of a darker place, right? There's mm. uh, characters that are killed off permanently in this game. Um, it's certainly a, a heavier, more serious thing. Uh, FF2 makes you feel hopeless. He gets out here. Uh, the tone and spirit between those two games are completely different. I think this is so amazing. Hironobu Sakaguchi had just created a big hit with FF1, so instead of just following suit and replicating this, he starts from scratch and creates an entirely new experience. This is what I mean uh, by the heart of the series being change. This is obvious to me as you look through the progression of the series. How many people have you heard say they don't like Final Fantasy V because the story sucks? Uh, they've probably saying that because they're comparing it directly to Final Fantasy IV or Final Fantasy VI. Well, that wasn't really the purpose of FF5. FF5 took a much more quirky and silly approach to its storytelling. However, the gameplay and character progression of FF5 is a shining light, making it, in my opinion, the best gameplay of that trilogy uh, and of the first nine games in the series. I think that uh, each game from the ground up has its own identity, strengths, weaknesses, and spirit. You have different monster designs each time, different instruments used, um, I'm going to kind of skip through a little bit, if that's okay, um, because I think we've gotten more or less at the heart of what you're saying there. Um, you're, you're, you're making that point with more examples, which is good. You're sharing many, many examples of um, essentially the same point, which is what I'm going to address in a second. Um, can you imagine if Dragon Quest did this, uh, a New York City-inspired landscape with machine guns and motorcycles? I think if this did happen to Dragon Quest, people would probably be upset. With Final Fantasy becoming popular in the West uh, with FF7, no one is going to care about the changes that have already taken place because they don't know any better anyway. To them, at that time, FF is what FF7 is. Um, this is an early example of FF disease, uh, he, he says later down here. Um, again, uh, because we're running out of time in terms of how much time we have on the cameras, the cards, um, 
I'm, I'm going to stop there for now. But I think that you've, you've made a point that um, I want to address. So yep. we accounted for setting as being a thing that changes in Final Fantasy every time, right? Right. The story um, is different every time. It's not... It, the stories are similar mm -hmm. in premise, like with the restoring of balance to the world, uh, the Warriors of Light, sort of like getting sure. the elemental crystals you have to, to collect align everything. Every, sure. But the tone and the setting is what's different. Mm. So I don't think that, or, or, or what I should say is, is that that particular thing, setting, and character progression systems being the two ma major things that they experimented on or iterated on every time, that part of it changing each time, I think is in line with the idea of change being a, an aspect or a part mm. of Final Fantasy, being something that iterates or experiments a little bit. It's not exactly the same every right. time. Setting and character progression. What we were, I think, more getting at the heart of was design philosophy. Um, and and that, that incorporates a lot of things, but specifically, like, how, does, how is a game paced? How much story do we get? And then how, uh, how are the dungeons designed? Um, you know, when do you get an airship? <laughs> um, <laughs> what types of vehicles right. and when do you get them? These are things that it, th there's really a lot that goes into defining game design or design philosophy. And that is what I am saying is retained from Final Fantasy 1 through 7 and 9 and to some extent 10. And, and to some extent 8. But I can tell the different guy with a different philosophy was in charge of 8 and 10 and mm -hmm. afterwards. I can tell that because when I play Lost Odyssey, which I have tons of criticisms for, I, if, if, Final, if Lost Odyssey was Final Fantasy 12 or 13, let's pretend mm. it was, it would not be in my top five favorite Final Fantasy games. Mm. I don't think it's that good, but it feels a lot more like playing Final Fantasy right. than Final Fantasy 12 does. And so it's about the style, that, and I'm not talking about setting, and I'm not talking mm. about uh, character progression, even though Lost Odyssey's character progression is a lot like FF9's where the equipment gives you the abilities. So you oh, put nice. the equipment on and you get ability points and you learn mm. through the equipment. But the setting changing, I, I, I actually give that as, uh, I, um, to you as your point. Yes, like the tone of Final Fantasy II and the tone of Final Fantasy I are very different. But... And, and this is where maybe Final Fantasy disease, the concept of Final Fantasy disease among fans, I agree with. Like, what should the tone and setting of a Final Fantasy game be? That's where people are going to disagree. But when, when we're talking about game design philosophy, that's something that the layman doesn't really know. Mm -hmm. They just, they haven't studied video game development. They don't understand mm -hmm. like the nitty gritty behind the scenes. How is it structured? They're not analyzing it in that way. So... That's the part that was retained through all of those Final Fantasy games that Sakaguchi was directly involved in creatively, in my opinion. And I see it carried over into games he's done afterward. I hope that that clarifies a little bit what we're getting at. We're not saying Final Fantasy disease as a concept is, doesn't exist or something like that. 
because there is obvious disagreement. Oh, clearly. Between yeah. people about what should a Final Fantasy be I, or in not. In fact, I would almost say that the spirit of Final Fantasy being so ambiguous is what is the cause of Final Fantasy disease. That yeah. the disease comes from no one really knowing like what Final Fantasy is at its core and what like what the next game could potentially right. be. Everyone has a very different idea of those but, both of those things. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't something that tied them all together and made them feel like, oh, mm -hmm. this is a game in the same franchise. Right. Like if I played Final Fantasy one and then I played Final Fantasy five after that, mm -hmm. I mean this feels like it's part of the same series of games. Sure. If I played Final Fantasy four and then I went back and played Final Fantasy two, there are differences. Right. Right? It's not exactly the same. Like, Dragon Quest is very <laughs> consistent. It's and Final Fantasy was almost never, to a fault. Yeah. Final Fantasy was never that consistent. Right. But there are design principles that are consistent to me very clearly that tie them together and make it feel like this is part of the same series. Mm -hmm. uh, except when we get into post-Sakaguchi leaving. Yeah. That's when it starts to not feel like it's part of the same series. And that's not a statement about quality. I'm not saying Final Fantasy XII is bad or Final Fantasy XIII is bad. I don't think Final Fantasy XIII is good, but I don't think it has to do with because Sakaguchi wasn't there. Right? I think that they can make a good game without him. He can make bad stuff, as we just described. Right. I don't love Lost Odyssey all that much, but it certainly feels more like Final Fantasy Anyways, I don't want to repeat myself, but that <laughs> is a clarification of, I think, where I was coming sure. from. So I agree with you. Settings change, and the change of setting is a part of the spirit of Final Fantasy. I, I believe that. A change of setting, the, absolutely. The iteration or the um, experimenting with setting and mm -hmm. character progression and it being different each time and being fresh is part of the spirit of Final Fantasy. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. But there was a set of design principles and a formula, and there's good quotes from Sakaguchi on this about his formula, mm. his orthodox JRPG formula. He had a formula, and you see that formula formula in Lost Odyssey, essentially is what I'm getting at. Mm. You can see the formula, it's there. That's what I identify as the spirit of Final Fantasy, his RPG orthodox formula. And they've gotten away from that. And it, okay, so yeah. now, now we get to Final Fantasy VII Remake Demo. Like I said, this is just preliminary. Um, this is going to be kind of quick because we're going to have a much longer discussion with yeah, this, this with the Night Sky Prince next time. But coming off the back of what I just said about mm. formula, about how I can tell it's a Sakaguchi <laughs> game, um, I will say ultimately yeah. that Final Fantasy VII Remake, the demo I played, is a extremely polished, um, good experience. Mm. Uh, if you take Final Fantasy off of that, like we're saying, you strip all the things to compare it to something that had been made before, like mm -hmm. we talked about with adaptions. Talk about the quality of the game first, then talk about it as a faithfulness. Sure, sure. Right, like Doom McGuire's premise. Yeah. I think it's a, a very polished game and a very smooth experience, and there's a lot there to like. Um, I, so what, anything that I say here that is a criticism, it is not meant to be... Um, it's not meant for me to say that the game's quality is bad, because that would be stupid. It, the game's quality is very high. <laughs> it's, very, it's very good, yeah. That's true. <laughs> it is an extremely polished, very high quality game that they have made. Um, here's, here's the issue, and 
we haven't talked about Final Fantasy VII Remake in forever. Yeah, that's true. the last time we talked On about purpose. it, people <laughs> freaking just lambasted us. They, yeah. There is there is a um, almost rabid, fanatical, blind mm. hype for this that I have not seen almost my entire life. Yeah. I can't think it's of a game before three years in that. The I mean, and I was I was hyped out of my mind oh, for yeah. other Final Fantasy releases like yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy thirteen, Final I Fantasy remember. fifteen. We yeah. made a bunch of videos leading up to fifteen. We were oh, very excited tons. for it, yeah. but we certainly didn't have, and I did not see this kind of just rabid <laughs> freaking praise. People want it to be really good so bad, and that's yes. fine. That's okay to want it to be good. And but it it does kind of it encringes on the worldview a little bit when with any type of critical analysis yeah. where it's like wait this game might not be game of the year you know material yeah. like like the thing it's based on was yeah well that's just that's just hard to swallow for some people because the hope is so high that this will finally fulfill the dream yeah that's been going on for twenty three years and it's natural I want to say yeah. that too like I don't want to I don't want to say this as like. If you're super hyped and excited for the game, there's something wrong with you. That's not true. Um, mm. We had talked about, I think, on an earlier podcast, how the build up to something yeah. actually releases more dopamine yeah. in the brain. The anticipation of something mm. is actually more fun chemically. Yeah. It can be measured. Scientifically. <laughs> it's more fun to expect and hope yeah. for something and can't wait for something, and the and the discussion yeah. of, of people building up to an event yeah. is usually more enjoyable than the thing itself. The thing and itself. this is why the the yeah. month of December leading up to Christmas, for many people, the the anticipation of mm -hmm. Christmas is the actually Christmas better than the day yeah. of Christmas itself. And that's been movies. true for me every year my oh, whole yeah. life. Me too. Christmas okay. Day happens, and it's like, oh, that was it. Yeah. But <laughs> when you're watching the Christmas movies and you hear the music in the mall and you see the yeah. lights in the in the neighborhood, yeah, you it's put like, up the tree. It feels fun. I don't want to rain on anyone's parade. I don't. I, I genuinely hope yeah. that everybody who has been looking forward to this gets the amazing experience that they're hoping to get. Like I have no hate in my heart for this project. <laughs> okay. I, I'm. I, I hope it succeeds, and I hope that whatever they do with it, people love it, and that everyone who's excited for it will get what they want. If you love it, good for you. I genuinely feel that. I didn't want to talk about this game, and it's why mm -hmm. we haven't talked about it, and I wasn't even planning on playing it at all yeah. when it released, because I had decided... Has, has the demo changed your mind? No. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> so I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty about the combat mechanics and stuff later. For now, I just want to say, in light of the spirit of Final Fantasy that we're mm -hmm. talking about, when I came to the end of my time with the demo, it, it returns you to kind of the start screen and the Final Fantasy prelude starts playing. And I went like, oh yeah, I'm playing a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> like the, the prelude's music instilled yeah. the feeling of Final Fantasy in yeah. my heart, stirred that a little bit. Mm. And I went, holy crap, I just played Final Fantasy for an hour and I didn't feel like it was Final Fantasy. Mm. It feels like an entirely new completely different, well-polished, good right. game, well made. <laughs> LARPing yeah. as Final Fantasy, to me. So that's like, that's like a mod, like somebody modded. Yeah. I, I saw a lot of Numura's Kingdom Hearts 3 in this, um, with a lot of the way that the fighting worked, especially. I don't know. You kind of see that in Final Fantasy 15 as well. But um, 
if somebody modded and reskinned Kingdom Hearts 3 with Cloud and yeah. just redid all that stuff, it yeah. did kind of have that feeling a bit. And I don't, I, d I, I want to iterate again, like I don't, I don't, I'm not, this is not to say it's bad. Like mm. what I played was not bad. There's, it's not a bad game. Um, I feel like it's as an adaption <laughs> of the original Final Fantasy VII, it's very bloated. Like it's, it's, how do I explain it? Because I, I, I finished it and then I went and played the bombing mission of the original Final Fantasy VII. Oh, right you did. I went oh, nice. right immediately into it. And the amount of time it takes just even for the camera to pan past Aerith and go up and have the reveal of the title Final mm -hmm. Fantasy VII is twice, maybe more than twice as long really? as it takes in the original game to get up there. And you can kind of hear it in the music. The music sort of like really delays and builds and builds into that big mm -hmm. bah! And I, I will say I like the music flair there. Yeah. It's pretty cool in the demo, in, yeah. in the remake, I mean. Like when that, when that meteor falls in, it's, it's nice. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's a couple of things that I think that it's missing. And, and one of them is music. So the original game had a very industrial, synthetic oh, yeah. feel to the music. Yeah, yeah. And this is very mm. orchestral Yeah, heavy. I kind of felt that too. And I feel like it's missing a little bit. Yeah, it's the missing an edge. It's too soft. Midgar. It's too flowy. It doesn't capture the character yeah. of that city. That's true. The grunge, the yeah, the industry. So that's one thing. Yeah. The second thing is the battles are very long, despite oh the fact yeah. that they are. It's supposed to be an action battle system, a yes. fast-moving, fast-paced battle system. The battles <laughs> of the original game, as mm. slow and turn-based yeah, as they yeah. are, I mean command-based, not true turn-based. Right. They're faster. You get through the battles faster. Right. The pacing of the original game is bloated beyond belief in this. Like with all of the just heavy emphasis on, say, a character like Jesse just being... How do I put this nicely? I'm just like... <laughs> just naive? Soaking wet <laughs> oh, for Cloud. Gosh, yeah, yeah. Just like they hammed that up Every, so hard for Everything her. she does around him is with the intention of like trying to like... Flirt, flirt or something. Yeah, and it's like, you. what are you guys doing? You're right in now? the middle of a freaking terrorist mission. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> terrorist mission. Speaking but, of. But the biggest thing for me, um, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I, if you guys want me to do a live stream and walk you through, let me know. Maybe I can set something like mm. that up. And then we're going to talk about with Night Sky Prince. The change that they made to Avalanche didn't really blow it up. It was actually yeah. Heidegger. And, and, and what that suggests for char Barrett's character arc. I don't want to say more than that for fear of like spoiling it too much right. in the long term. People who have played the original game know what I mean. Yeah. Barrett wrestles with the fact that they killed a lot of innocent people in this bombing run in the original game. Right. But they've taken the culpability from Avalanche off and they've put it all on Shinra. Yeah. I can't go more in depth right now because we have to go. Mm. But chew on that, That's a uh, that should whet your appetite yeah. for our further discussion. Um, but overall, it just doesn't feel like Final Fantasy VII to me. Yeah, it, it doesn't. doesn't. Like it's fun in its own way. Honestly, I'll be playing it with my wife, and yeah. she will probably like it better than the original. And I will be rolling my eyes the whole time. But um, you know, I mean, it'll, it'll be a fun ride wherever it takes us. Won't be the same place the original took yeah. us, but it'll it'll take us somewhere. 
Okay, that's it for this week's podcast, or this podcast. I keep thinking it's weekly. It's not weekly. This, this is for this podcast. Um, again, if you want to see me do a live stream and, and talk about all my points all the way through, I will consider doing that. But I just know you guys don't want to hear what I have to say because you're so hyped. I don't want to ruin your experience. I don't want to ruin your hype. I don't want you to feel bad if you're excited or if you loved it. I'm not trying to do that to you. I genuinely, again, I genuinely hope you love it. I really hope it's good for you. It's just not for me. And that's, that should be okay too, right? Like, I, I can, I'm allowed to choose what I like and don't like. You're allowed to And think. it doesn't have to affect whether you like it or not. In any case, we will talk about this much more in the next podcast, so look forward to that. Thank you for watching, and we will see you guys again soon.